and we're live on the Shy City Sports Podcast with a special guest with us, Jake Perry. You can follow him on Twitter at JakePerry34, and as usual, you have your co-hosts, AJ Desai4 and Michael Flores. Well, first, let's welcome our special guest, Jake. How's it going, man? It's going good. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, man, like it was a long time coming. We wanted you on the show to talk about your fantasy football sleepers. But before we get into that, the Bears lost in Tennessee um, as with the score of 24 to 17. Now, guys, um, you guys have equally great thoughts. Um, first, Michael, what do you have in mind? What's what's going on with this Bears team? Yeah, first, Jake, welcome to the show, dude. Uh, glad you're here. Um I don't know what to think about this team, to be honest. Um, we had that game. We should have won it. But it's just another Chicago sports story of should-haves. Um, you know, I think the defense has always looked pretty damn good overall. Um, out there a little bit too long. But that's the story every week, right? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, when you look at how the offense performs, uh, it was on PFF. They said it was since they started recording and grading um, – offenses in 2006 it, when you take out turnovers because we had no turnovers in the first half it was literally the first the the first half was the worst offensive half of football since 2006 <laughs> so you're saying That's, this is uh, like wow yeah i i mean i know we've talked about it off the podcast before but i i mean Yes, Matt Nagy's very clearly got some issues when it comes to play calling. He's he's not perfect. No NFL coach is, but I think a lot of it boils down to the offensive line. I mean, that's that may seem like an obvious thing to say, but just looking at some of these guys, you got three guys who started and they had never played more than the, the uh, person who played the most was Rashad Coward, had played one down of football at right tackle, but him, Bars, and Hambright had played no snaps up to that point it's yeah that's not a winning mentality there yeah and it's absolutely crazy that like when you look at this offensive line man uh, bars like you mentioned hasn't played any snaps and then you put in a person like coward instead of bars for the first uh five weeks and it's like okay well what the hell is going on right now um well michael it's it, it's it's crazy like it just boils down after like after loss after loss and this is like the, th- the third loss in a row that Jake mentioned it's come down to the offensive line cuz Nick Foles barely has any time to throw and like when he does it's pretty spotless when he has time to throw Yeah there was a couple plays that you know I was trying to count in my head how much time he had and it was very very obvious when he had tons of time. That ball was damn near perfectly placed. Um, he was get, he was getting the the right amount of uh, airtime on the ball, and it was just landing right where it needed to. And obviously, when he didn't get that time, you saw him on his ass a lot. Yeah, I mean, if we look at you know his passing line, he's thirty six of fifty two for three thirty five and two touchdowns. I know you know traditional stats don't necessarily tell the whole story, but it's very clear that Foles. Foles is comfortable running this offense, and when he has the time, like you're saying, he's throwing dots. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and like um, those dots that you mentioned, like I just feel like you know all these people that Nagy is scheming open. He, I think there are they are getting open. Let's be real. Like these people, these receivers, they are getting open. They can catch the ball if the ball is like right there in their hands. But like this offensive line, like you mentioned, Jake, it is absolutely terrible. Like there is no time, and I feel like you know. There is a defensive tackle in the face of Nick Foles when he's trying to throw the football, and it's it's ridiculous. I mean, I, I feel like, you know, Matt Nagy, his responsibility, Ryan Pace's responsibility here for providing the players, you know, I feel like, you know, two seventh-round picks and Jermaine Nefetti and Jason Spriggs is just simply not enough. You need to be able to um, invest in the offensive line because it does start up front. Your, your offensive line is key to the run game. It's key to the passing game. And I'm starting to believe the stuff that you say in our chat um, is coming true. Yeah, and I think it's it's really interesting to look at it. If you look at like how we built our defense, what is our defense built around? It's built around our defensive line. That's where our clear talent has been for a couple of years now. You got Hicks, who's arguably one of the best run stoppers when he's on his game, as well as you know solid in in pass rushing as well. Um, you have Khalil Mack, who's you know arguably one of the top two defensive you know defensive players in football at any given time and then you have all the money that we've given to Robert Quinn on the other side so on the defensive side of the ball we have no problem shoring up you know the the no the middle of the field you know locking down that front you know physical part of the game but on offense it's just a, been a blatant lack like when Cody Whitehair is your most is your highest paid and your like most productive offensive lineman no offense he's still he's he's good he's solid any team would be lucky to have a guy like him but he's not you know he's not up there in the upper echelon of offensive linemen and when he's the best that it gets on there it just it's hard it's going to be hard for any quarterback to succeed or any offense to succeed really when you have a system built around you know just a lack of funding in one of the most important parts of the field yeah, and like, and Michael, we'll get to you. It's just like when you, when you look at this organization, I feel like they spend like eighty percent of their money on the defense and about twenty percent of the money on the offense. And I, I certainly think that that's that theory is coming true because you know we've seen in the past that Ryan Pace has thrown money to like okay Mike Glennon, right? But you know, let's be real. Mike Lennon was not going to be in Chicago for that three-year deal. It's going to only be like a one-year deal. But then you see him throw money at like Taylor Gabriel. He's not in Chicago anymore. Uh, he threw money at Allen Robinson, who is showing signs that he might not be in Chicago next next year. So it's like, like you're right. We don't we don't invest money into the offense as much as we do in the defense, and that and that's historically showing. Um, 2006, uh, 2010, it showed. Um, it showed in 2018 where, you know, we just needed just that one electric player on the offensive side of the football where it could take us over that hump. We didn't do it. And we're seeing it right now that, you know, the offensive struggles are really hurting this team, especially it starts at front um, because we haven't really gotten that offensive line and we haven't really invested in that offensive line. So go ahead, Michael. What do you think, man? Yeah, no, every single one of those points is absolutely correct. And it's terrible because, you know, David Montgomery, he's a good running back. Mm -hmm. And he was given no protection this week. Granted, I didn't like all of the running plays that that was called, but there's not much you can do with, with the line that's out there anyway. You know, you're you're down to third stringers out there for the most part. And it hurts. I mean, you know, um, it actually hurts um, Montgomery the most because, you know, he's not getting his – his numbers that you know we he can get, 
And then, you know, since he's not getting the protection, he gets hurt. And, you know, like this week, he's now in the concussion protocol. So you can't have a running game and with the, with that line. And if you can't have a running game, you're not going to have a passing game. No, yeah, because I... like, oh, go ahead. Sorry, Jake. No, you go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, so, yeah, I mean, like without David Montgomery, who do we got? We got. Uh, Lamar Miller, who's yet to touch a football as a Chicago Bear. Uh, Ryan Nahr, Octavius Pierce. Um, it's not looking good at the running back position. We we hope that Lamar Miller could um could take that that uh, carry load for uh, David Montgomery if David Montgomery's not able to go on Monday. Go ahead, Jake. Sorry. No, yeah, I'm I'm I was about to say the same thing. Like if if Montgomery doesn't clear concussion protocol, which you know, I didn't I didn't see anything that looked too bad. So hopefully, you know, maybe it's just more of a precaution than anything. But I think if we, you know, losing Montgomery for any stretch of time is really going to put this offense into a hole. Lamar Miller wasn't great the last time we saw him active. It's why he was, you know, it's why we're able to sign him to the practice squad. And we all know, you know, Ryan Nall is more of a fullback than he is a true running back. Mm-hmm. Um Pierce is, you know, again, a guy who's had limited to no experience at this point in the year. I think, and we're not going to win games by throwing the ball 50 times. You know, we, we got close this week, throwing it 50 times, but this offensive line is not going to continue to hold up like that. Yeah, no, this offensive line is definitely not going to hold up. Definitely, like, if you, you're saying 50 throws, man, I don't think it holds up if someone's throwing 30 throws. Like, yeah. I mean, it, it just, it, it it just dies. Like if they can't do anything, the first couple of drives and me, me and Michael, we bang this drum every Tuesday on the podcast. If they can't do anything in the first couple of drives, it this the game becomes a toss up. It doesn't matter who you're playing or anything like that because the defense starts to get um, starts to get tired. Um, and w- when they're not putting up points, um, you know, when we look at the look at the uh, schedule, it's. I feel like this game on Monday, like if we can't stop Dalvin Cook, it's going to be difficult. Yeah, I mean, from from the way I look at it, if you can contain Dalvin Cook, you can beat this Vikings yeah. team. They're you know they rank twenty fifth in passing while being third in rushing, and that twenty fifth in passing is I think wildly high, especially when you consider that arguably their most effective receiver this year has been Dalvin Cook. Mm-hmm. Um, what we've seen this and we've seen this Bears team be shut down. When it comes to passing, we're one of the top passing defenses in football. You know, Jalen Johnson and Kyle Fuller, they're made like off the top of my head. I can't think of truly a better combo of cornerbacks on any roster right now. I'm sure they're out there, but, Mm -hmm. you know, just off the top of my head, you know, they're they're proving it. Roquan, we're seeing the best football out of him that we've ever seen. You know, he was our highest graded player on PFF this week. Um, The defense can stop any team. And I think, you know, being able showing how he stopped. Derrick Henry this week I think that gives me hope at least that we can stop Dalvin Cook but like you said it's ultimately going to come down to that yeah the defense um sorry Michael I'll let you go after this um the defense like I feel like they they're they're the ones that show up every week I feel like they're the ones that are keeping the keeping the offense in the game the Bears in the game itself and um and they're going to keep on doing that unless you know a major leader in the defense goes down someone gets hurt but like you know I pray no that doesn't happen you know the defense has been keeping in keeping us in games and god forbid if we had like somewhat of an offense we could be six and one we could be seven and seven and oh right now but we don't 
And it's like we have we have the players, but we don't have the offensive line. Just circles back to the offensive line. A lot of people say, say it's the coordinators and Matt Nagy. I think Matt Nagy is a good person. Like, guys, I'm saying this right now. I think he's a good person. I think he's a good head coach. But his play calling, I feel like, you know, if he asked someone else on the – the coaching staff to like, all right, can we can we reevaluate this? Like, where can I improve? Then maybe you know, guys like that we hired this past off season could be helpful. You know, I just feel like you know, Laser, DeFilippo, um, all these guys, uh, Castillo are just scapegoats. If Nagy does indeed does do bad, so like, he has to be he has to be um, willing to give up play calling. Yeah, so I have uh, two things on that. Um, going back to the whole, you know, stopping Derrick Henry, you know, that was something we mentioned on the pregame show. If we can stop Derrick Henry, then I think we have a chance. And I had mentioned that if we can if we can contain him like we did in his rookie year in 2016, where he only had like eight rushes and like 60 yards, you know, I'd be happy with the 60-yard game. I mean, that's fantastic. Or if he had contained just like last year, like when we completely embarrassed him in week four like and yeah we it was so we we contained derrick henry to 68 yards this week that's a huge accomplishment yeah. period defense did a great job and then as you were saying about the the play calling about you know Nagy being a good head coach just a bad play caller i mean this is the same thing that was going on with the jets i believe mm-hmm. um adam gates didn't want to give up play calling he finally did and Granted, I mean they're still a crappy team, but you know that takes a lot of a lot of guts to just put your ego aside and say, you know what, it's not working when I do it. Someone else try, and maybe it's just time for Nagy to say, hey, you try it. Let's see what happens. Yeah, I agree. I you know you guys know that I I'm a huge Matt Nagy fan. You for know sure. I've never thought he was going to be. You know everybody said he was coming into be an offensive guru and. I, you know, I had my hopes and he's clearly, you know, he's clearly scheming some things that work and it works at times, but there are a lot of questionable personnel changes in the middle of, you know, we're trying to go up tempo and then we personnel change for no, for seemingly no reason. And there's just a lot of, you know, a lack of cohesion there. I think simply giving you know, giving that off to somebody else, especially in a game against the Vikings, which the Vikings don't have a phenomenal defense this year. I think, you know, I was joking in the first few weeks of the season that calling mm-hmm. the 11 guys that they were playing a defense was being generous. Like, I think now, like a game like this would be the perfect time to give like a Lazor or a DiFilippo, give one of them a chance to just call something. Like, even if you give them, give them the first half. Give them the first half of the game, see what's going on, maybe help in the second half if you need if you need to or if you see something. But, you know, like you're saying, something's got to change. You know, again, with the offensive line being as bad as it is, I don't know what's going to work. You know, we're giving in, – in the last game specifically, um, we gave up 0.0 yards before contact on every single rush play. Our running backs barely could make it back to the line of scrimmage. We had the fifth worst pressure rate given up. It's going to be hard to succeed, but – these guys have succeeded. We've seen Lazor succeed with Andy Dalton in mm-hmm. uh, in Cincinnati with arguably just as bad of an offensive line. That's what I'm saying. Like you know, like if if Bill Lazor can actually do what he did in Cincinnati, and like like you mentioned that that offensive line wasn't wasn't as good. You know, he has experiences with uh, terrible offensive lines, and he can bring bring the best out of them. Like you know, it doesn't hurt to give guys like you know. John D. Filippo or Bill is or chances, you know, I think, I just think it's a pride issue for Matt Nagy. I mean, like he was brought in here to be like the guy, 
you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, to be the guy that says, like, be you, like the whole be you thing. I'm going to be myself and I'm going to call the place that I think it's right. But like, you know, I want to actually like, you know, advocate for Matt Nagy here. I feel like, you know, last year, the 2019 season, you know, like he wants to like, I, I get it. You know, the guys out there like, you know, Matt Nagy's trying to run things like he did with Andy, Andy Reid in Kansas City. Like, I get it. You know, you're trying to run that dynamic offense, you know. But first of all, we don't have the weapons for it. We don't have the person that can run cheetah speed like Tyreek Hill can. That's number one. We don't have the running back. Well, kind of we do. We have Data Montgomery. That's one thing. All right, I'll, I'll give you that. I'll give him that. We have the wide receiver, you know, Allen Robinson. But still, we don't have that guy that can run 22 miles in the, 22 miles an hour in the slot up the middle of the field for Patrick Mahomes to throw that dart. We don't we don't have that. Nick Foles doesn't have that. He had that in Philadelphia um, with Doug Peterson, but you know Doug Peterson is a hell of a play caller. You know, and these guys that I'm talking about, Doug Peterson, Andy Reid, in the past, they have given up play calling before when things haven't worked out. You know, maybe it's time for Matt Nagy to realize, like you said, Jake, this is the game, this Vikings game before the bye. You know, give a chance. Um, give them a chance. Give Lazor a chance. Try to see what we could um, what what we could get out of it. You know, a half of it or something like that. Yeah, and I like. Um, I think it was Jake that mentioned just do it for the do it for the first half. See what happens. And I like that because we talked about this several times on multiple episodes. You know how we do quarter by quarter. This past game, zero points in the first. Zero points in the second. Zero points in the third. Oh. All 17 of our of our points came in the fourth quarter. We destroyed in the fourth quarter. We're a great two-minute offense if the two minutes was just a, was an entire fourth quarter. We can do it. But again, we didn't score a, we didn't score until it was too late, pretty much. And I'm all for try it off for one half, see what happens. If it works, cool. Then maybe we come out strong in the in the third and the second second half and look good again. But not scoring into the fourth isn't going to win you any games. Yeah, and I think that, you know, that says something right there is we're a great two-minute, four-minute offense. When this offense gets going and gets in a rhythm, good things happen. And we've seen that, you know, time and time again this year. That's been basically our bread and butter. Why not try and run a faster offense throughout the entire game? We see a lot of we see teams do this with a lot of success. We see teams at least when they're successful anyway, we've seen Carolina be successful with this style of offense where it's up-tempo, it's quick. The Rams especially, you know, the Rams, as we all know, have a better personnel grouping. Just their their front 11 just overall are going to be better than ours. But when they play a quick game, that we saw it against them. You know, they had their most success when they could get us on our heels. I think that's something that definitely needs to be explored to try a little bit more. And at worst, it doesn't work, and we're in the exact same spot we're currently in. No, yeah, I think that, like, you know, like, we have to be able to try something. We got to change something. And, you know, like, I don't think we're going to see the change. I, I think the pride thing is going to play in, play in huge, huge here. I think, like, Ryan Pace is going to have to come down and, like, have have a chat with um, Matt Nagy and be like, okay, hey, like there's like there's some things that are not working. I'm gonna have to ask you to give up some things because you know there's some other coordinators on this team that have been he- head coaches before, I believe. I think John DiFilippo. No, no, actually, I take that back. Um, John DiFilippo. He called plays in Jacksonville um, before being the 
before being um, quarterbacks coach here. Uh, Bill Lazor, like Jake mentioned, he called plays in Cincinnati with even a with even a worse offensive line. So you know we have the options on our on our staff. It's just a matter of like you know Nag giving it off. But you know the injury report continues to grow for the Chicago Bears. You know, like as we mentioned, David Montgomery is an injury is in concussion protocol, and like I don't know what we're gonna do with uh, this running back position. Like, I don't know if Lamar Miller is going to play. Um, but Ryan, no, baby. He had a touchdown last week. Um, but More fantasy points than Derrick Henry. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, um, you know, I feel like, you know, like like Jake mentioned, he could be more of a fullback in this offense. Um, and then again, Artavius Pierce is just the guy that that's just a body on this team. But I like to get more of your thoughts on it, um, Michael, and then we'll go to Jake. What do you What do you think? How's this running game going to fare without David Montgomery? Well, it depends on if he passes the concussion protocol. Yeah, I'm hoping he plays. Um, we definitely do need him. It's going to be interesting. Um, we don't know how to use David Montgomery as a running back one, so I don't know what we're going to do with barely an RB two and an RB three. Um, it's going to be interesting. I honestly don't have any idea how they're going to run that. Maybe it's going to be a Cordero Patterson running game for the entire time with maybe bringing up Lamar Miller and letting him get five, six, seven rushes. But Patterson might be the main running back if um, Montgomery can't play. And it's not something I want to see because he's not a guy that, that can drive it up the middle. It's going to be just a lot of maybe just quick dumps to him and hope he gets four or five yards, I guess. Yeah, I, I, I would say I have to agree. Um, ideally, I mean, honestly, the most ideal situation for me is that Lamar Miller's active if Montgomery can't go. You know, we see that I'm, I'm happy that Montgomery with – I'm not that not happy that Cohen's out, but happy that Montgomery has finally gotten a chance to show some of the skill set that he showed in college. His ability to catch, catch passes is, you know, it's up there with just about anybody that's not named Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey um, from the running back position. I think Lamar Miller has shown a little bit of that before, too. And I think if he's healthy, assuming the knee's good from when he tore his ACL, Miller's probably the fastest guy in our running back room. You know, Nall's not a speed guy. Pierce ran like a 4 four seven forty. It was nothing special. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really think that, you know, Miller's going to have to be active if, if Montgomery isn't. It's the only way I can see the running game doing much of anything. No, absolutely. I really think that, like, if you really just trot not Ryan Nall and Artavius Pierce out there, you better really just have uh, Lamar Miller active for this game. I mean, if he's not active for this game, then there's some serious questions because I don't want to see number 84 in the backfield as much if we have Lamar Miller active on the sideline. I mean, look, yeah, if the knee checks out, you want to be <coughs> you want to be careful with the knee and stuff and all that. But um, yeah, definitely. If if there's any chance that the Bears have a run game this week, it has to be what Lamar Miller offers to this offense. And like, you know, again, it just circles back to the offensive line and how how terrible they've been playing ever since week two. The problems started to come down for the offensive line. So, but yeah, guys, uh, moving on to the Vikings game. How are you? How are you guys feeling? The Bears are five and four. Um, like, wh- what are some things to look for? Like, um, I I'm pretty sure this defense they can get home on. 
Kirk Cousins and like what are some things that are we looking for for some uh, for the victory, Michael? Yeah, so the Vikings, you know, they're they're playing a lot better recently. You know, they're coming off back to back wins in the NFC North. Um, you know, they won they beat the Packers two weeks ago, the Lions this week. Um, it is Monday night football, and I think Kirk Cousins is what 0-7 on Monday night football. So I'm hoping we keep that streak going. Um, but besides that, I mean, you're looking at Dalvin Cook as one of the hottest players right now. I mean, the guy's playing out of his mind. You know, he's having himself a pretty damn good season. He has a touchdown, I think, every game this year. Four games with multiple touchdowns. Um, he had four touchdowns versus the Packers two weeks ago, three rushing, one receiving. It was like a 163-yard rushing game. It was he he was he looked good. And then just this past week against the Lions, he goes off for over 200 rushing yards. And I think he had two touchdowns that game. I mean, Dalvin Cook again. We're gonna have to watch the run. But again, we did pretty well against Kamara. I think we did even better against Henry. I think we can hold Cook. I mean, he hasn't done much against us yet. I think we he's played us three through for. Uh, three years now, I think it is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he hasn't cracked forty yards against us. I think. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's it's as we've seen, it's all you know that offense runs through Dalvin Cook, Kirk Cousins. Not to knock him at all, he's a, he's a solid quarterback. He knows what he's doing when he's out there. He's definitely, at least in recent weeks, it seems like he's been smarter with the ball too. Um, I know he's it was like through his first four games, he had ten interceptions or something. And he's definitely looked a lot better than that, you know, especially over the past few weeks. Um, but it's 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 the Dalvin Cook show in that offense, and containing him is going to be key. I think, you know, we've seen uh, Roquan's, you know, coming out party this year, essentially p- proving himself to be worthy of where we took him in the draft. You know, that's really shining, and he's done a great job. He was, you know, a big part of what held Kamara to not have, you know, a crazy game against us. He's been he's been solid when it comes to run stopping. And I think, you know, Hicks being healthy too. If Hicks can, you know, save off some of those penalties that he's had in recent weeks, I think we've got a pretty decent shot to win the the can you contain Dalvin Cook game. Um, some other things that I really, you know, really are gonna look forward to in this game. Spriggs is coming back from the COVID list. I know I'm excited about a second string, you know, tackle coming back into the game. But if that solidifies our line, you know, as, as crazy as it is to say, I think we're a better line with Spriggs at right tackle and Coward at, at you know, at left guard than we are, you know, with what we, we put out there last week. I think that's going to be huge for us, too. No, yeah, like I, I really think that, like, you know, we can stop Dalvin Cook and we've been doing it. You know, we did it last year in week four. That was like one of the most phenomenal games I've ever seen in my life when the Bears um, beat the Vikings last week. As, last, Sorry last year at soldier field um you know we really stopped dalvin cook and like our, our defense is they're capable to do it they can stop dalvin cook and you know if we stop them then like you two mentioned we could really get home to kirk cousins and really win the game i mean like we've we've been in the we've been in every game but it's just a matter of like finishing and executing and that's the poor part of the chicago bears they can't like i really thought in the Saints game like with the minute 52 left they could have went for the touchdown, to be honest, and win that game. I don't really think that um, overtime was needed. I really thought the play calling in the last two minutes in that Saints game was just stupid. Um, like, I, I get it. The the offensive line was an issue, but like you know, like we did it against like 
we're a fourth quarter team, you know, and the, I really thought in that Saints game in the last two minutes of the game, I thought we were going to pull it off and, you know, win that game. And same thing with this uh, Titans game, too. I thought we were going to pull it off and win the game. Um, but it just didn't seem, I thought our fourth quarter magic went away. But, yeah, but, like, I don't think um, Monday night we'll be needing that fourth quarter magic. It's just it's going to come down to uh, stopping Dalvin Cook and putting some, putting some points up on the board, whether it's uh, offensively or defensively. So uh, it's just going to have yeah, to come I've... down to stopping Dalvin Cook. Sorry. Sorry, Jake. No, you're good. I was just going back to what uh, what Michael was saying, just about shutting down the uh, the Bears, shutting down Cook historically. In three games against the Bears, Dalvin Cook has gone for 34, uh, 34 rushing attempts for 86 yards. At 2-5-3 a carry, we're the best team, or the team that's been most effective at stopping him in teams that he's played multiple times. Um, and especially when it comes to shutting him down receiving, because I think where he can really beat you is these four or five yard screens that turn into 50, 60 yard plays. And uh, receiving against us again, he's he's 13 catches for 54 yards. So we've, we've done a good job historically of shutting him down. That being said, I do think he looks by far better this year than he has, you know, at any point in his for career. Sure. Um, so it's, I think it ultimately is going to come down to that. And then going off what you were saying, um, AJ about the defense, I think, you know, the thing that's really been lacking about our defense, and I've seen a lot of people talking on social media about our defense, quote unquote, underperforming this year. I don't think it's necessarily an underperformance as much as it's just, we haven't had the the big plays defensively that we've had in recent years. I think we're we're very clearly one of the top five defenses in football still, but we're not having, you know, we don't have any do we have a single defensive touchdown this year? Just that one against so. just, just that oh, one yeah, against E-Jackson. the Panthers, I think. That's it. Yeah, the one that caused me to lose my fantasy matchup last yeah, week. Yeah. That's right. That's it. But yeah, besides that, you know, we're going back to we're looking at the defense from you know, we compare everything back to 2018. That was one of the most magical defensive runs we've ever seen. You know, it's right up there. The only other one that comes to mind that's someone close is the Patriots defense last year. Um, and, you know, defensively, you know, we're solid. We're very, you know, uh, I think it's very clear that we run a bend, don't break style of defense. We let teams get into field goal range and then we, we just stop them there. You know, I think I, th- I would like to see a little bit more aggression out of this defensive unit this this week, especially um, against a team that really outside, you know, Justin Jefferson's obviously a playmaker. Thielen can beat you, but I don't think I really don't think Thielen's that crazy of a receiver overall. I think he's just very he's a he fits his role very well. You know, if we can contain Dalvin Cook and if we can stop Jefferson from beating us over the top, I don't see this offense putting up crazy points against us. Maybe, you know, if, if we can hold them to two touchdowns and a couple field goals. I think if we can hold them to like 20, 21 points, I think their defense has enough holes in it, especially this week where they've got a pretty deep injury report that I think we, we actually stand a decent chance this week. Yeah, I completely agree. So that's, that's another thing I wanted to touch on. And I'm glad you mentioned it is, you know, you think of Vikings wide receiver and right, right away, most people are thinking, okay, Adam Thielen right now. Yeah. Yeah, he's doing well. You know, he's got almost 500 yards in the year, seven touchdowns. But people aren't talking about Justin Jefferson enough. Mm-hmm. You know, he's having himself an amazing year. He's already over 600 yards. Yeah, he only has three touchdowns, but he has three games over 100 yards already. I mean, he's what, 21? This guy's going to have, he's going to take Adam Thielen's spot if he hasn't already. And I, I'm kind of looking forward to it as a football fan. I'm not looking forward to it as a Bears fan. 
Yeah, for sure. I think just I think it's pretty clear at this point that Jeff, Justin Jefferson is the most talented player on that offense. That's not Dalvin Cook. Um, you, like you said, it took him what two games to come out of. You know, he started the year as a slot guy for him. They basically said, "All right, you're going to start the year in the slot. Let's see what you can do." It took him two games. He's an outside target. He's got multiple games over 100 yards. You know, as you said, as a 21 year old in the in the NFL, he's got he's you know on a target basis. He's he's behind Thielen when it comes to targets, but he's doing so much more with the targets. He's averaging five and a half more yards per reception, averaging almost 20 more yards a game. He's catching more of his targets than he's than Thielen is. I think it's it's clear that he's he's really the guy you got to worry about. I'll let Thielen beat me on slants across the field all all game if I can cover Jefferson deep. No, yeah, definitely. I'm really scared of Justin Jefferson. I really think that like you know, like this. Like like just like uh, Michael said, you know he's had three 100 yard football games um, this year, and as a rookie, that's really impressive. You know, um, and especially for the Vikings organization, especially when they traded away Stephon Diggs. You know, you really want to see your first round pick, Justin Jefferson, come in and actually make a difference on that offense more than the guy that you just paid named Dalvin Cook. But like you know, both are good players. But like you know, like I said, you know if the Bears on defense can stop Dalvin Cook, Kirk Cousins is going to look for Adam Thielen. Kyle Rudolph um, and Justin Jefferson on this offense, and if we could stop that, then the Bears can win this game. It's only a matter of them, you know, uh, not foregoing the first three quarters of the game and then doing everything in the fourth fourth quarter. Um, sped it out a little bit. Obviously, they did it well in the um, Panthers game. We want to see that again. You know, score uh, 20, 25 points. I really think that's going to be enough to beat the Vikings. And if our defense can, you know, string along and you know. Um, stay off the field and get some stops and just allow, you know, uh, about 14 to 19 points, then I, the Bears can win this game. It's just, it's just really, really, um, really weird right now. Yeah, it's a weird spot to be as a Bears fan. I can, I can definitely agree on that. Yeah, and you mentioned how their defense kind of is a joke. And, you know, I agree with that. I mean, yeah, they have um, Eric Wilson, their outside linebackers. You know, he's got three interceptions. You know, their safety Harrison Smith has got a couple himself. That's kind of where it ends. Um, I'm not worried about really anyone else. You know, you don't have to worry about who their sack leader on the year. You know, Yannick Ngakwe, he was traded to the Ravens two, three weeks ago, whatever that was. Mm-hmm. You know, he had five sacks before leaving the Vikings. And he's gone. So their biggest threat to doing anything i really think to Foles or to whoever our running back is in the game is gone so i'm not too worried anymore yeah i think uh you know there's a few guys you got to keep an eye on um on that defense cameron dantzler it sounds like he's going to be out which i you know that's something that is is going to be big especially you know keeping you know who else are their cornerbacks really mike hughes He's on IR, isn't he? Mm-hmm. So, you know, so. maybe maybe Jeff Gladney's their best active cornerback. Um, you know, you, you have guys, like you said, you know, Eric Kendricks, uh, PFF's got him as the eighth highest ranked linebacker in football this year. So he's been phenomenal. But really, outside of like him, that that's a beat up defense. You know, Daniil Hunter's hurt on the IR. Uh, Bars on the IR. You know, it's a, it's a team that's beat up. And it's a team that real, like realistically, this is the defense that we should be showing out on 
you know, not to say I think I think we should have shown out on the Titans defense. They've you know been one of the worst defenses this year um, as well. But I think they still have a lot of talented players. I think with the Vikings defense, they're hurt. They're not a great defense. And I think they have a lot of holes that we can exploit. No, yeah, for sure. Like, you know, if you look at this injury report, like you like you mentioned, you know, um, for week nine, but like, you know, I don't see this changing much. You know, um, Cameron Dantzler is still on the injury report from concussion. Um, CJ Ham, their fullback. Uh, Adam Thielen, he had a shoulder injury, but he played against Detroit. But, you know, um, hopefully, you know, the Bears can actually – you know, take advantage of like, if, you know, Cameron Dantzler is out, you know, I hopefully, uh, Nagy can, you know, take advantage of that and, you know, you know, pass a couple of deep balls to Allen Robinson, because what's the point of Allen Robinson if, if you're not going to throw to him as much, you know, he's the guy that should be getting, um, 10 to 12 receptions, a hundred yard games, uh, regardless of how, how bad your offensive line is. I mean, we're seeing it in, um, in New York, the Jets. I mean, Jamison Crowder is getting 50-yard touchdowns with how bad that offensive line is. Yeah, and that that's something that I'll, I talk about a little bit later. I've got some very specific fantasy stuff to For point sure. out. But, you know, A-Rob, our offense, you know, just like the, you know, you look at the, the Vikings offense. Dalvin Cook is ranked first out of 59 qualified running backs by PFF. Justin Jefferson is second of 116 qualified wide receivers. Just like the offense runs through them, our offense runs through Allen Robinson and David Montgomery. You know, I think Montgomery is very underrated as a back. Um, and, you know, I'm hoping he can be healthy. Like I said, I didn't see anything too crazy. You know, concussion protocol is one of those things that if you show any signs of a concussion that you have to you have to be in it and you have to clear protocol. Hopefully we see him healthy. But, you know, like you're saying, you know, you got to – you got to take advantage of those big plays. And I think this Vikings defense is one where we could see guys like Mooney and we could see guys like A-Rob breaking off big chunk plays, which is it's really what this offense has kind of thrived off of anyway this year. You know, when we've had our most successful drives, it's not, you know, dink and dunk, you know, old Patriots style five, six yard passes up and down the field. It's get it's getting these guys out in space and getting these guys downfield. You know, Dalvin Cook, or uh, not Dalvin Cook, Allen Robinson's not a burner. He ran like a 4 five forty. He's not a speed guy, but he he's one of the best route runners in football. When, you know, when he's on, he's a top 10 wide receiver, in my opinion. And I think really, you know, getting him going is going to be the key to winning this game. Oh, Jake, you had the opportunity to get AJ so happy if you would have said Cole Komet's going to be a part of that list, too. I, see, here's my thing with Komet. Why did we draft him so high if we're not using him? Thank you. Why do yep. why did we even draft him if we're not gonna use him that as much? You know, like that's the thing. Like like you know, I feel like he can thrive in the offense like so, somewhere else in the league, like Seattle. He would thrive in Seattle, and it's just like, oh my god, can we please do like can we just like like use him? Like I just feel like you know after that fourth touchdown, like when's the last time Jimmy Graham had a, had a touchdown? Like week five, I think, and we haven't even seen him in in the red zone when we got him. Like I think Jimmy Graham actually had that last touchdown, didn't he? Um, this past week. Yeah. Past, oh, was it this past week against the uh, Titans? Yeah, he had that oh. that garbage time last touchdown. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Never mind. All right. So, um, yeah, it's just like I think like now is the time to like you know 
give those snaps to Cole Komet. You know, we see it, you see it in the Panthers game, and you, then you see it in the Rams game, like the two plays that he was on the field. And then after that, it's just like he disappeared. You know, our second round pick disappeared. And like Jake mentioned, you know, why do we draft him so high if, if we're not going to use him as much? And it really yeah. bothers me as a Notre Dame fan. So my bad, Jake, go ahead. Thank you. No, you're good. I'm a Notre Dame fan too, so I get it. Um, I, I wasn't a huge fan of the pick when it happened. Like, obviously, mm-hmm. Cole Komet, he's a great guy. He's a talented player. I, I thought it was clear that offensive line and arguably at the time, you know, the safety defensive back situation, those were our two biggest weaknesses. And seeing him go with some of the linemen that were still on the board with, you know, early first, late second round grades, like like Lloyd Cushenberry, you know, when he's still on the board and we're not, you know, we're not taking him, it was hard to bite off. But I see us run screen passes to Jimmy Graham and I'm like, why is what this going, going to Jimmy Grandpa when we've got Cole Komet sitting on the sidelines? Who's he's a faster, he's faster than Jimmy Graham. He's got better hands than Jimmy Graham at this stage in his career. You know, he's maybe the only thing Jimmy Graham's got over him is his jump ball ability, which is why you know Graham's been a preferred red zone target. But we're even seeing him less and less in the red zone. So you know, I don't, I don't know what the Bears' plan with Cole Komet is like at all. I don't know what the Bears' plan is at all regarding literally everything. That's a very <laughs> fair point. There was a there was one play that uh, one of our our friends in one of our chats, uh, Happy Mitch, pointed out where we ran. It was basically you know a designed play to the entire line was shifting right. We were faking right. Foles was rolling out to the left, and there's just no block. You know they have a they have a fifth guy pushed up on the line, and he comes through completely untouched and just destroys Nick Foles. Like, I I watched some of the play design, and while Nag, Nagy has put together some of the plays where I'm like, how did that work? Like that, you know, looking at it on paper, it's it it makes sense. I get the scheme fit. I get why he does it. But like looking at a play like that, I'm like, how did he ever think that was gonna work? You're giving, you're literally letting the entire left side of the field go unblocked and expecting an immobile quarterback to go that way. It's just, you know, that's one of the, the key frustrating things for me with this Bears team uh, is just plays like that, that it's, I just don't see how anybody ever thought it was going to work. No, yeah, and like going back to the injury report, I think the Vikings are only going to have Cameron Dancer as questionable, so he actually might play Sunday. Um, this is just like some uh, some things that I found on ESPN. But the Bears, like I don't know if you guys heard that Roy Robertson Harris is going to have season-ending surgery on his shoulder. So that's another person on the I defense that we're going to use that we're going to lose. So um, I don't know what we're going to do. Like um, in terms of like, I mean, I guess the defense is going to be remain intact because like we saw Big Boy McCullers play. You know, he's like you know in place of John Jenkins. You know, as a third third string defensive tackle. Uh, from from a guy that we pulled off of a practice squad, you know, he's not doing as bad as I pictured. You know, he is he's big boy right there. He's plugging up the middle there. Pause, but still. Yeah, I think I think we this deep. I mean, our defense. You know, I'm not worried about our defense. You know, like you said, we're losing him to to shoulder surgery, but we've got some guys got some that really guys. come out of nowhere yeah. and really shine in this offense. Mario you know, Edwards. You have guys like Mario. Yeah, exactly. Mario Edwards being you know arguably. I'm going to say he's the steal of the season. Mm-hmm. You know, just he came in on it's what, like barely a million dollar contract. And he's been one of our most disruptive pass rushers this year. You know, just seeing that he's been. Win. Yeah. You, you're seeing guys that like we, 
it, it's one of Ryan Pace's strengths is defense. Like I've been saying it all year. Give me Ryan Pace to build a defense and give me literally anybody else to build an offense. Yeah. And you might have a Super Bowl winning roster in Chicago. Yeah, that's it. I, I think that's it. I think that's the formula that we need. Like, you know, like I think Ryan Pace needs to like, you know, draft defense more and focus on the defense more because, you know, we saw him um build that defense in New Orleans, um, as the director of scouting there in New Orleans and it's and he won a Super Bowl off of that. So, you know, if and, you know, he had Sean Payton there as his head coach. So I, I, I could really see the scenario there where he was focusing on the defense of the side of the ball there in New Orleans and where Sean Payton was like, okay, I want this guy, I want that guy, and I want this guy to, for, for Drew Brees and stuff. So I, I could really see that scenario too. I mean, like, but yeah, Jake, that's actually a pretty good idea if actually the Bears can actually open their eyes and see that, okay, Ryan Pace does draft good defense, but he's really bad at offense. Could like could we actually find a way for Matt Nagy to be like, all right, be in the draft room and see this is the guy that I want. And that's, what I, that's sort of what I saw in like, you know, him drafting Cole Komet, you know, mm-hmm. and for drafting sure. um, Darnell Mooney in the fifth round, which was a steal. So, you know, maybe, maybe I don't want to let go of this duo just yet. Maybe like, you know, my frustrations on Twitter, you know, um, Sunday, Monday guys, it's where I'm really, really upset after a Bears game. But, you know, like I spew anything on Twitter. How can we justify paying Robert Quinn? How can we justify keeping um, Matt Nagy and stuff? But, like, you know, it you can't really hit the reset button every five years. This is the fourth year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I really think like in this five years, I think we've found some success. And I think if we try to like keep it and try to like, you know, put some money in the offensive line, I think we could try to look back to what we saw in 2018 and make that a reality again with a much, much better offense next year. Because you know you could, and these teams, um, like the Saints, they've proven that they could spend money. Granted, they are $100 million over the salary cap for next year, but like they will, at, at the most, they'll keep most of the key players on that team and let all the guys go, like all the older guys go. But the Bears mm-hmm. could do that. They, they're in the position to spend. Like, like if you really look at the salary cap table, like it's not as bad as you would think it is for any other team. Like the Bears could start over in 2022 and have $150 million to use if the cap were to go up to $234 million. So, I mean... It's just like the Bears, like I, I wouldn't say that the win- window is over, you know, but they, they have the opportunity to like, you know, like relish what they have right now and see like, OK, like we have the defense. Khalil Mack is here. Robert Quinn here. Robert Quinn is here. Roquan, Danny Trevathan. And we're not going to let go of Danny Trevathan because he had two bad games or three bad games or four. Um, you know, in the last three games, four games, he's been playing exceptionally well. Um, without like you know Eddie Goldman, John Jenkins, and with Big Boy McCullers over there in the middle plugging up the run, you know Danny Trevathan's importance of the defense is starting to show. So it's it's just going to come down to like can we build this offensive line for next year? And like honestly, if it were me, I would really focus on you know drafting that OL first because if you bring in a guy or trade up for a guy like you know Trey Lance or Zach Wilson, you're going to have the same problem. He's going to they're going to be running for their life. If you do that, like it doesn't make sense to like, you know, get Zach Wilson if you're not going to get him OL help, you know, I mean, you yeah. see this, you see the situation in Seattle, Russell Wilson has been running for his life and like now 
now in Seattle, they've got him some help. They got him some, like, you know, guys that are low risk, high reward. And he's like, you know, staying in the pocket and slinging that rock. So it's like, get this offensive line done first, build it right. And I think, you know, next year we can see that, see that difference. Cause like, I don't know what the bears are going to do with the offensive line now, except shuffle it around with a bunch of different players that we have on the roster. Yeah. And I, I think that's a really good point to make too, is, you know, we can trade up for a Trey Lance. We can trade up for a Zach Wilson. We could trade up for, you know, any number of these quarterbacks, really, I think, besides Trevor Lawrence. But are we like, we're no matter how mobile a quarterback is, no matter how good they look in college, uh, behind this offensive line, I said it the other day. I was like, quarterbacks are going to look like high schoolers against this, like behind this offensive line. Like, there's, and there's, there's off, there's talent on the offensive line. You know, there's guys who, you know, Liam Eichenberger, I think he's one of the better offensive linemen in the draft. And he's yep. a lot of places have him only ranked as like the seventh or seventh or eighth best lineman in the draft. You know, there's there's clearly talent here. There's clearly a lot of guys. And it's not just early on in the draft, too. You know, you could you could go for a guy like him earlier on. And I'd be, you know, plenty happy getting a guy like, you know, one of the guys from Iowa, either Linderbaum or Alaric Jackson, getting one of those two guys. And, you know, in like a mid third or fourth round. You, know, yeah. you can really solidify this offensive line and then attack the quarterback position next year. Yeah, no, I think I, I think that's the situation too. I mean, like if if it sometime somehow works out that like if they can get like a free agent acquisition in in March next year, like uh, you know if they move some money around and make a, make a move for like I don't know, a guy like Alex Mack, you know. Um, uh, bring in some veteran uh, veteran help, you know, like, or if you guys want to get even more savvy, try to trade for Brandon Schreff, you know, or he is a free agent this year. Throw some money at him, you know, um, see if we can, you know, free up some money. And right now he's playing on his fifth year option. Like, I, I know, like, you know, I would have loved the Bears to trade for him. You know, I'm sure you would have too, Jake, as well. I've but, been very vocal about that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I feel like, you know, like, I don't, like, it's, it could, it could seem like an organization thing for the Chicago Bears of, like, you know, the Bears not spending money as much. But then again, you know, these, these guys are out there, you know. Um, we had a chance to go get quit in Spain, right? Uh, we didn't. Mm -hmm. We had a chance to get Larry Warford. Granted, he is just sitting out right now. But honestly, I think he's just looking, uh, I think he's just waiting for the right team to call him. Yeah, I agree. I think he's just waiting the chance. Like, he played for the Saints. He's not going to go play for a lackluster team. Like, he's going to be like, I'm going to wait for, like, the Chiefs to call me. Because the Chiefs, if you really look at it, they lost um, uh, Duvernay or Tavernay on, uh, I think, their tackle or mm -hmm. their guard to COVID. They could call him. And, like, if, like, look at the Chiefs. Look at what they're doing. They signed their quarterback to a half a billion dollar contract. I mean, it doesn't seem like they're worried about money. So it's just like, you know, the Bears got to make a move. But, like, I think we're talking a lot about this. And we got to get into our betting and fantasy football segments here where Jake's an expert at. But, you know, give me your score predictions for this Sunday. And then we can jump right into those segments. Uh, Jake, let's start with you. Oh, like I said, I think 21, you know, holding him to 20, 21 points is going to be enough to win this game. And I think our offense can do enough. I'd say uh, I'll go 24, 20 Bears. Michael. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty good guess. That's not a little, that's not that far off from mine. I'm hoping we actually hold him to under 20, um, mostly because our off, our offense scares me. Hoping we can hold them to 17 and we take a 24, 20, 24 to 17 win. 
All right, well, guys, like I predicted the Bears to lose against the Titans last week. I'm not going to predict the Bears to lose against division rival like the Vikings, and we should definitely beat the Vikings. And if we don't, I'm really going to cry if we drop to 500. Often scares me, like Michael says. Give me the Bears 19-14. It's going to be an ugly game in Chicago on Monday Night Football. Hey, man, ugly wins are still wins. Yeah, I'll, t- I'll, I'll take I, an I'm, ugly win. Yeah, I'll, I'll take a win. I, I just don't want to go 500. Like if, if we're playing for a pick, we'll know on on Monday Night Football. Um, if we do, if we go from five to five and one to five and five, I don't, I don't know. It just seems like you know the Bears could be like playing for like a like a mid draft position. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. We'll definitely see. All right, but let's jump into our fantasy topic. What do you got? Like your, your sleepers, Jake. What do you got? Yeah, for sure. I, this is a big week for fantasy football. A lot of running backs coming back from injury uh, and uh, potentially losing one of the biggest ones. Uh, you know, CMC here took a shoulder injury um, at the end, uh, towards the end of that game. You know, there's some rumors that he's day to day right now. He may not be back. Um, we'll see. Um, as a CMC owner in one league, I definitely would like him to be back, but I also would totally get Carolina being safe with him, especially after, you know, giving him all that money. Um He's he's one of those guys that's truly he changes an offense. You know, we see it. We saw their offense start off really well with Mike Davis. But the last three games, Mike Davis, especially from a fantasy perspective, you know, he was projected to get 18, 19 points a week. And he's putting up, you know, barely 10 spots. So, you know, that and that's one thing is I'm seeing a lot of people, you know, Mike Davis is a must pick up. Mike Davis is a must start. I don't think he is, honestly. You know, I see see what that offense is doing. And it, they've figured out that Curtis Samuels, the more talented player in that offense, um, arguably besides everyone, besides Robbie Anderson. And they're using, they're using him like crazy. Um, so I, I, I have Curtis Samuels, one of my sleepers this week. If he's available in your leagues, pick him up. The man's got back to back 20 point weeks in PPR. Um, and he's just, he's showing out there right now. Um, other guys that are coming back from injury, we've got, you know, we've got Nick Chubb who's coming, who's expected to be active this week. That's going to be huge for that Browns team. Who's a team that looks like they're in contention for the playoffs right now. Um, and you know, I think Chubb being back in actually helps Kareem Hunt's stock. So uh, Hunt tends looks this year anyway, to be more productive when he's not the, you know, the number one guy, he's not expected to do as much. Uh, we got miles Sanders coming back and being active as well here this week. You know, he's, he's going to be a huge addition for that offense, that offense, you know, that offense has been very boomer bust. You know, we see guys like Travis Fulgham coming out of literally nowhere to be, you know, the most productive players in that offense. We have, Goddard, who recently came back from injury, I wouldn't be surprised if the Eagles, you know, with Sanders coming back, really, you know, take that division by storm. I don't know what you guys think about those, you know, about CMC, Chubb, and Sanders particularly, but those are, you know, those are three league changers, in my opinion. You know, having those guys makes your roster, you know, one of the better ones in your in your leagues. I'm glad you said that because I literally put in a waiver claim for Curtis Samuel, and I'm hoping I get him. Yeah, I, I picked him up last week and I started him and he put up, I think it was 27 points in PPR this week, something like that. He, you know, he was, he's a league, not a league saver, but if you had him in your lineups last week, either for, you know, DFS or for, you know, season long redraft leagues, um, he's, you know, he's the past three weeks, he's been showing out. He's been really, you know, taking a huge role in that offense. No, yeah, because like I, I personally have Christian McCaffrey in one of my leagues. It's one of my main leagues, and it's just like you know, I just got him back, and I really hope that he plays again. Um, 
And, you know, I, I saw him, you know, on the sideline with his shoulder. I was like, oh, no, this is bad. And then I just got I got Miles Sanders back, too. I have him. Uh, that's all I have for running backs. But, yeah, I'm in the A-team league. If anyone's wondering how I have all these players, I also have Hopkins, Keenan Allen, and DK Malcalf. So come at me. Um, I'm in a league with a bunch hey, of man, Bears I, fans, so I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm in a 10-team league where people look at – I've posted <laughs> on, like, fantasy football subreddits, and people ask the same thing because I've got – I, I've got Lamar, Jacobs, Kamara, Lockett, Boyd, Godwin, Ridley, Jonu Smith, John Brown. Like I have guys who are putting up numbers week in and week out, and I just traded in that league for Robbie Anderson, so who's, who quietly has been a top 10 PPR receiver this year. Him and Tyler Boyd are two guys that most people were able to get with mid to late round draft picks. I never I drafted Tyler Boyd in pretty much all in six of the seven leagues that I'm in. Mm -hmm. And he I never spent more than a fifth round pick on him. Robbie Anderson, I got in the ninth, tenth round, and he's putting up top ten numbers in, in you know in PPR leagues. Um, you know, he's these are the guys that, you know, I was talking about it with somebody else on Twitter today, where he was he was arguing that a guy like you know, Travis Kelsey is your, your fantasy MVP because Kelsey in PPR formats has 25 more points than the next closest tight end. But it's really these guys, you know, hitting on these mid to late round picks who are turning into top, you know, 12, top 10, top 12 players. These are the guys that are really, you know, changing offenses for a lot of people and really, you know, putting teams into contention. You know, that's, that's where the, the bread and butter is. You know, I, for me, the first five rounds of the draft are important, but it's the, it's the last, you know, depending on your league, your last 10 to 15 rounds, depending on how many guys you draft that are really where you're winning your league, in my opinion. No, yeah, like my team's crazy too. I have Rodgers, Metcalf, Allen, McCaffrey, Sanders, Gronkowski, and Hopkins. My kicker's Will Lutz. I don't have a defense right now. Kansas City is on their buys. So I have to go find somebody else, but that's crazy. Like it's a lot of people are like, oh, wait, how many people do you have in your league? You have, do you have six people in your league? And I'm like, it's eight with a bunch of Bears fans. Like granted, Montgomery was taken in, the, in round one, seven overall. You know, there's some diehard Bears fans here in this mm -hmm. league. So, yeah. But I, I, like I said, I hope I win. I hope um, Christian McCaffrey can come back. But I also, like Michael said, I did put in a claim for Curtis Samuel as well. I need a wide receiver um, to play in that flex spot. Um, and because uh, sometimes, you know, Metcalf has those days where he doesn't do anything. Um, so, but it's too scary to drop him. Well, not drop him, oh, put him on a bench. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, I Metcalf's one of those guys at this point. He's He's the number two receiver in PPR formats. You know, I, he's, he's an, he's a, a leave and forget guy for me. Like you, he's a guy that you just throw him in there. You know, I've got a few guys who have really been surprising me the past few weeks. Curtis Samuel, obviously one of them. Um, if he's available in your leagues, pick him up. Uh, Christian Kirk is available in over 30 in 37% of ESPN leagues. This is a man who, you know, that offense has really hit another stride. You know, Samuel or uh, Kirk the past three weeks in Dallas, he had two catches. Both of them went for touchdowns. He had 86 yards and, and two touchdowns. In week seven against Seattle, given worst pass defense in football, 37 yards on five catches for two touchdowns. The Miami game this past week, five catches for 123 yards and a touchdown. You know, D-Hop is drawing a lot of the shadow coverages that we're seeing out of here. And he's he's on my list of, uh, I was actually going to touch on shadow coverages next, but he's going to be shadowed by Tredavious White this week. And I think it's really going to open Kirk up again. You know, Tredavious White hasn't been the 
the cornerback that we saw in like the 2017, 2018 time yeah. frame where he was, you know, hands down a top five corner in football. He, but he's still, he's still their shadow corner. He's, he's following the big guys around and he does a good enough job that I think we're going to see Kirk go off again this week. So he's another guy where if he's available in your league, you know, I'm picking, I've picked him up and traded for him in pretty much every league that the owner was willing to part with him. You know, he's just, he's one of those guys that right now I'm riding the hot hand at this point in the year. Once the bye weeks hit me like crazy these past couple of weeks. So, you know, riding guys like that who can really, you know, one play change a game. That's, that's, that's your money right now. And that's, and then you were talking about Kirk Cousins, like, um, you know, you were talking about Kirk Cousins, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Oh, so Christian, Kirk, Kirk, Christian Kirk. Oh, Christian Kirk, yeah. Christian Kirk, like, like you know, I, I really feel like, you know, in that offense, like, there's so many, like, unpredictables. So, you know, I, I really think that, like, now we're starting to see, like, Cliff Klingsbury is a damn good coach, you know, a damn good play caller, too. He's got, like, the ability with Andy Isabella, what he's doing, you know, really getting Larry Fitz involved a little bit. Um, also with the ability with Christian Kirk over there. And, you know, Chase Edmonds in the backfield. Arizona's looking like a hell of a team. You know, they can, they're going to be, they're going to be good for a while. You know, Christian Kirk, pick him up. He's, uh, you know, like if, if Kyler Murray is looking for him down the field for like a 40 yard or 50 yard touchdown, that, that's a guy that can go up and get it and score. Yeah, and you, we've got some other guys who, you know, I've got a few other guys who might be available in some of your leagues who uh, who have either really good matches this week or some guys that just have kind of gone by the wayside. Um, Alan Lazard looks to be, he was he flew with the team to San Francisco last week, um, so it looks like he's going to be active. How much of a role does he see in an offense with, you know, Devontae Adams, who's who missed however many games he did and is still wide receiver two or wide receiver one, depending on how your scoring is. Um, but Lazard can come back and he can, you know, take a little bit of pressure um, off of Adams. And maybe we see teams start to be a little bit more aggressive against Adams, you know, with Lazard on the other side of the field. So that opens him up for a little bit. A guy that I'm really intrigued by this week is Randall Cobb. Randall Cobb in ESPN formats um, is only owned in 28% of leagues, um, and he's only being started in 10% of leagues. You know, he's uh, he's really only viable in PPR formats. He's not going to be a guy who's going to find the end zone a ton. Um, but he's he, he's put up 10 points in four, three of the last four weeks. And against Jacksonville, he didn't do a whole lot of anything. But this is a Cleveland team that is giving up the third most points to wide receivers in the slot this year, um, last time I looked. And, you know, a guy like Tyler Boyd playing out of the slot against them, he put up crazy numbers. He put up you know, 11 catches for 101 yards and a touchdown, got 28 and a half points in PPR. You know, I'm really interested to see how Cobb does in this format. Obviously, he's more of a deep league guy. If you're in a, you know, a deep 10 team or 12 team league with deep rosters, he's a guy that I'm, you know, really intrigued by. Um, and then Wayne Gallman, surprisingly, has been, you know, I've picked him up the last two weeks and he hasn't been much. You know, he's not a game changer by any means, but if you need a guy who's available and if he's, he's the, if he's getting the, the touches, you know, he's putting up, you know, arguably about 15 points a week and he's been for as bad as that giants offense is, he's been, you know, one of the surprisingly more productive players out there. Michael, what do you think, man? You've been really quiet. Hey man, I'm just soaking it in. I'm, <laughs> I'm just getting my, um, my fantasy team back to, a respectable level at this point um in my work league I'm, i usually do pretty damn well and i started off the year i think one and four so i'm back to four and five now um yeah what am i i'm glad sorry bro go ahead 
No, I was just gonna say I'm glad you know he mentioned Kirk. I actually picked up Kirk last week. Um and yeah, he did well for me. But I dropped Jerry Judy in the process, who also had a great week. So it was a little bittersweet, but mm-hmm. uh no, I'm just I'm glad uh I'm glad that's aligning with what he thinks is gonna happen in the future. Yeah, it's these these are just guys who seemingly have roles that fit well in their offense. Um, these are guys that I like a lot. And like you're saying, you know, now's the time where teams are turning around. One of the guys in our league was he's our, he's won the league that I run the past two years. He was going for his three peat this year. He started the year 0 and 3. You know, he he also just got super unlucky and had the last pick in the first round. Um, he so he had guys like Tyreek Hill. He's got Devonte Adams. So he had a guy in Hill who has, was putting up respectable numbers all year, but wasn't anywhere near what we've seen him in the past. And then a guy like Devonte Adams who missed two weeks. You know, he came out of that Detroit game with an injury. Uh, he missed the New Orleans game. He missed the Atlanta game, and then was on a bye week, and then had like a you know a so-so game in his first game back against Tampa. But then you know, he your guys get hot and they turn it around. He's got you know. In PPR, the lowest, the worst game that we've seen out of Devontae Adams in the last three weeks was 30 points. Like, and now's the time where we're seeing a lot of these guys really, you know, come out and break out of their shell. You know, guys like Will Fuller finally given a chance to succeed in offense is putting up, you know, damn near 15, 20 points a week in PPR formats. You have guys like, you know, even, you know, You've got early round picks like James Conner. He was going in the top two rounds in a lot of leagues. He's, you know, the last couple of games have been so-so, but he's been a very consistent player for a lot of these guys out here. You know, this is the this is the make or break it time in fantasy. This is where, you know, I'm coasting out here in my league. I'm thinking I'm all good. And then all of a sudden I'm tied for first place in so many leagues because teams are surging back. And some of these guys that we saw go hot early on are starting to cool off a little bit. You know, especially for me, Calvin Ridley getting hurt was huge this week. Tyler Lockett, you know, I benched him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I benched him the week of his 50-point game. And then I have him in the lineup the last two weeks. He puts up a combined 11 points. You know, it's it's times like this where the choices are coming down. And if you have guys like the ones that I've mentioned available in your league, um, it's, you know, picking those guys up are game changers right now. So we got Christian Kirk, um, Christian Kirk, Curtis Samuel, Kirk Cousins. No, we, we didn't mention Kirk Cousins, right? I just I, yeah. I just think that we just ha- I just have uh, Christian Kirk missed up with Kirk Cousins personally. OK, so it's yeah, Christian yeah. Kirk and Curtis Samuel, folks. Pick those guys up. So, right. Yeah, definitely pick those guys up. If they're available, I don't see any reason not to. Um, yeah. Some of the other things, like real quickly, that I want to touch on. Sure. Um, a lot of sh- a lot of shadow coverage this this week in fantasy. Um, we got DK, who's looking to be. He looks like he's going to be shadow covered by Jalen Ramsey this week. Does that open up the door for Tyler Lockett? I as a Lockett owner in many leagues, I sure hope so. But D- we also thought DK was not going to do crazy well last week when he was shadowed by shadowed by Tre'Davious White. But he finds a way to get open, man, and just he tears you up. Um, so, you know, he's I, I said it on Twitter half jokingly, but I'm half serious when I say if DK Metcalf stays healthy and this offense stays productive, he legitimately looks like one of the best wide receivers in football. Um, no. Yeah, no, absolutely. The only game that where he really didn't do much and he had a game, uh, that touchdown saving tackle, tackle in the game they lost against Arizona. Uh, that was the only game where DK Metcalf didn't do anything 
anything as much for fantasy owners, but everything else week one through five was uh, 15 points and above. And, you know, week eight and week nine um, after the Arizona game, 40 points, 23 points uh, um, projected to get 18 points in my Yahoo league. So, you know, like you said, DK Metcalf is that person for that Seattle offense. Really good pick. And honestly, one of the best ways to come in, come to a Seattle front office shirtless to say, yeah, yeah. That, that was like one of the highlighting mar- um, highlighting points of DK Metcalf's career. You know, I really thought that he was going to be like a locker room issue for them, but it really seems like he's a he's a really cool person um, and turning out to be one of the best young wide receivers in the league. For sure. Uh, some other shadow coverages for people to keep in mind this week. Uh, Stefan Diggs is going to be shadowed by Pat Pete. You know, mm-hmm. Pat Pete, not necessarily the player he was a couple, you know, a few years ago. He's not, but he's still up there when it comes to coverage corners. He's still, you know, somebody you got to watch out for. Josh Allen, if he's on, you know, we've seen how he can take over a game last week. What was it? Four passing touchdowns, a rushing touchdown. So that offense can feast. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that goes. And then kind of a sleeper co- shadow coverage that we're going to see this week is Carlton Davis first looking like he's going to cover Robbie Anderson. Davis is sneakily putting up some, you know, some really good numbers. He's only given up 5.6 yards per target this year. Only his just his catch radius against him is a slight or catch rate against him is slightly over 50% this week. So it's it'll be really interesting to see how you know, how that Davis matchup looks for Robbie Anderson. Like I said, you know, Anderson's been a top 10 receiver in PPR formats this year, so it'll be interesting to see if he can keep him up. No, absolutely. Did you have any other uh, shadow coverages uh, to talk about um, in terms of fantasy football? Any other matchups that you think that um, are close in terms of um, wide receiver cornerback combo before we move into our betting segment? Um, just real quick, I just want to touch on a couple, um, not necessarily shadow coverages, okay. but just a couple plays that I think are really good this week. Obviously, oh, if Miles sure. Sanders coming back, you're going to plug him right into your offense, especially against the Giants defense. It's given up, you know, top five points against versus, uh, res- uh running back receiving wise. Yeah. Sleep kind of a sleeper this week for me is Antonio Gibson versus the Lions. Again, this is a Lions oh. defense. That's not giving up. It's he's They're giving up insane numbers to running backs this year. So he's a guy that I'm really looking forward to having this week. Jimmy Graham, quite very quietly, is tight end six in PPR formats. So he's a guy where if he's out there, I don't know if he's a free agent in your league, but you might as well just run him out, run him out there to see you know what happens. And then Malcolm Brown, if Darrell Henderson's thigh injury turns out to be a big deal, Brown has shown that he can be. He's already a goal line back in that Rams offense, but he's shown that he can catch passes and he's shown what he can do in space. I'm really looking looking to him to kind of put up some really big numbers this week if, against that Seattle defense. No, for sure, because, uh, you know, this is very important. Like, um, you know, in terms of fantasy, like I'm, I'm playing for money. So it's like need to get that top two spot. Like I, I just need to make that for championship sure. game and get that second place victory and get some of the money that I put into the league back. You know, third place isn't really getting anything. So it's like, you know, it's kind of sucks. But then yeah, again, for, me, for most of my leagues, third place just breaks even. And what's the mm-hmm. fun in that? Nothing. There's no fun at all, and it's just like you know, like I had I had Miles Sanders too as well in my league. So I'm I'm really hoping that he has a big game against the Giants. Um, really, really praying to God that McCaffrey plays against Tampa Bay this Sunday. I really hope that shoulder checks out for him. But like with with without further ado, I want I really want to move into our betting segment. Um, is there any place that you you like, Jake? Like you bet too, right? I'm pretty sure you do. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. So what do you like for this week, man? 
Then we'll move to Michael. So, Michael, you've been really quiet, dude. I, I got you, man. Don't worry. <laughs> You're good. So I've got a few picks this week that I'm I'm hammering pretty heavy. I really so I'm looking um, for reference. I'm looking on FanDuel specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, Jacksonville plus thirteen and a half. I think this offense showed Jake Lutton knows what he's doing out there. He's he hit you know Chark put, had a really good game. They, they, he got that offense moving and he got them doing some things. I don't see I, Green Bay's really good. Don't get me wrong; they're one of the yeah. best offenses in football right now. I don't see them winning that game by two touchdowns. So maybe that's just me, you know, liking that spread a lot. Um, that so I, I'm really liking that. I, I Tampa Bay minus four and a half. After that, after they got embarrassed by New Orleans last week, they're not going to let Carolina slide. They're just going to come out and they're going to hammer, hammer it. They're not, you know, they had the, they set an NFL record for the least rushing attempts. Carolina's rush defense is not that great. So I see them coming out here, you know, getting the, the running backs a lot more involved and really shutting them down. And then. Uh, another play that I really like is Seattle plus two against the Rams. You know, the, the Seattle defense has been bad. We've seen that. But what we've also seen this year is Jared Goff struggle against bad defenses. He did not look like, a, you know, he's played like a top 10 quarterback for a decent chunk of the year. But he did not look like a top 10 quarterback against that Miami defense. And that Miami defense isn't. It's 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 solid, but it's nothing special. So I and that's that Rams defense has holes, man. I can see Seattle coming out here and just hammering that plus two. You know, I, I see Seattle winning the game. I don't even see the you know the plus really even coming into a factor. Michael, what do you think, man? What do you got? Yeah, so I got my my lock and my underdog uh, ready to go. Um, last week, you know, our lock hit pretty quick. Um, underdog, I had Broncos last week and that did not turn out very well um and you should have taken the falcons yeah you should have taken the falcons yeah and the falcons almost falconed they um they almost blew it they they ended up only winning by a touchdown after being up like three four touchdowns or something ridiculous but unfortunately i didn't get that one i didn't go for two for two like i did the previous week but for my lock this week i'm going eagles over giants um that's minus 180 right now, and I don't know. The Giants are the Giants. Um, there's no reason why the Eagles should not win that game. I think that's got to be a lock again. Um, and then for my underdog, I said I'd never do it, but I'm doing it. I'm going Bears over Vikings. That's at plus 134. I don't want to homer at home with picking up Bears as the underdog. They're the underdog every week. Um, but that's my favorite underdog for the week for sure, and I have to put money on that one. Yeah, for sure. Like, uh, like give me, give me. I got the uh, give me my lock as um the Raiders over the Broncos. Um, of course, uh, I really like the Raiders. Um, offense. I know uh, some people in here are not fond of the Raiders and their fantasy teams and stuff. I really, I, I really do apologize towards that. But um, really like Derek Carr and um J- Josh Jacobs and what they're doing there in um in Oakland. Um, and if see if they can uh you know if they could. Get that offense going. That's my lock. And give me um, the Washington Redskins as my underdog. Detroit is favored in that game, minus four. Uh, but then again, Washington, I, I think Alex Smith starting at quarterback. Uh, but we could, um, you know, see uh, Antonio Gibson, like Jake mentioned in his fantasy football, um, his fantasy football uh, stars to watch. But 
Uh, give me the Washington Redskins as my underdog. Um, they're gonna they're gonna be definitely gonna be plus money there if the spread is plus four in Washington's favor. But Jake, what do you got? What are your um? What are your locks and dogs? So what we do on this show, we do locks and dogs. Um, uh, our locks would be basically the teams that you think that are um, the locks, clear locks, and then the underdogs are, you know, I, I guess you followed uh, me and Bike. is just a team that you think is, like, not favored, but they end up winning the game. For sure. Um, so if I'm looking at it uh, purely from a money line perspective, I got to go with the the Ravens as my lock. Um, I This Ravens offense hasn't really clicked yet, in my opinion. Um, but if any team's going to do it, it's going to be against the Patriots. We just saw the Jets offense, you know, arguably tear that defensive that defense up for the talent that's out there you know i don't see the raven i can't see the ravens losing that game um no matter how i spin it you know cam has cam looked awful cam was putting it literally looked like he had to put his entire body in these throws to get them out there and he just has not looked good and i don't see their defense being able to really stop the ravens um and then if i'm looking at an underdog the underdog that i really like this week um i'm gonna say the chargers against the dolphins this chargers offense has been good herbert's very clearly in my opinion uh the you know, the rookie of the year so far. Um, and they're, you know, they, they have the talent to really arguably beat any team right here. They're kind of this year's, you know, they're right there with the Falcons for me this year where they haven't really been able to close, but I could see them getting off to a hot start and being able to shut Tua down. And I see the chargers really coming out of nowhere to win this week. Yeah, um, definitely. The chargers, um, you know, if they can, if they can, you know, like if Justin Herbert, I, you know, let me say one thing. Justin Herbert, you know, he is, you know, it's slowly becoming like one of those candidates to become offensive rookie of the year or probably rookie of the year. Um, it's just going to depend on like those defensive stars that like they, where they were drafted. Um, you know, Tua started playing, but I think he's far off of it. But like, you know, Justin Herbert, he had a close game against the Chiefs. And like you mentioned that, you know, if he could string together a couple of drives, get a couple of touchdowns, um, really, um, uh, really uh, limit the interceptions, then I, I really think the Chargers are a good pick there. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. You know, I, he's looked good. I think it'll mostly come down to the defense. Like that offense has been pretty solid all year long, even with losing Austin Eckler and last week losing Justin Jackson, who I think is clearly the second most talented running back in that backfield over Kelly or Pope. Um, it'll you know it'll be interesting to see how that defense holds up i haven't seen i haven't seen really anything out of tua that's really like blown me away yet um given you know gaskin's hurt he's he's clearly their their running back one there um you know we we saw you know sanal ahmed come out this week and he had a pretty decent game howard you know got in the end zone but i just i struggled to see this dolphins team do a lot this week no, yeah, for sure. Like uh, the Dolphins, you know, you see them just like being that team that will actually be good in the future. You know, Tua showing that those marks right there, and um, you know, I think the 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 Miami Dolphins did make a late uh, early move here. I really think that like you know Fitzpatrick, they should have let him finish out the year because you know they were winning games with uh, Fitzpatrick, and you know I think this is the game where you know Fitzpatrick can actually be the commander of this offense. I think this is the game where Tua's not going to be able to do much. So, and uh, we're going to see this weekend, but like you know, it's it's just a nice slate here in Week Ten, and it's going to be a really interesting slate of games. Definitely. Yeah. All right, guys. But I, Jake, honestly, we thank you. 
uh, for joining the CC Sports Pod. I mean, you follow us, so we really do appreciate you for that as well. Uh, long time coming. We had you on the show. We talked Bears. Um, we hope to have you on really, really soon here um, in a couple of weeks. All right, bud? Yeah, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. I'll happily come back anytime. Sure, absolutely. We'll have you on real soon. Yeah, thanks for coming out, dude. It's, uh, it was a pleasure. We love having you on. Uh, that fantasy football aspect of it is huge. I know tons of people play, including myself. So that's gonna be a, that could be a big part of it in the future. For everybody out there, if you guys are not currently following us, make sure you follow us on Instagram and Twitter at CC Sports Pod and on Facebook at Chicago or Shy City Sports Pod. Sorry, and let us know if you guys follow um, Jake's. Uh, picks for Kirk and Samuel and how they work out for you and let us know and let us know if you pick if you put any bets on our picks and you know we can so that way we can bring them back and we can have him on more often for sure absolutely Michael that's such a nice nice message there but like as always guys we record on Tuesdays and you'll see this podcast on Wednesdays on all the platforms um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker even Mixler probably everything out there so We'll talk to you next Tuesday. Um, until then, stay stay cool. Uh, Bears are 5-4. Hopefully they get a win here. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, guys.